Our passage for today comes from 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. And that's where we're going to be looking at it. I want to thank Armand for the message that he brought to us last Sunday. I've been chewing on that all week long, and it's really been good for my soul. And uh, it really prepared me for what I needed to face this week as, as I went through the week. And I'm, I'm thankful for uh, his obedience and delivering the word of God as he did. So I've got a question today. How do you discern false teachers in the church or even in our church? How do you tell the difference between false teachers and true teachers of God's word? This has been a question from the beginning of the earliest church. And the truth is that where there is truth, there will always be a false teacher or a false prophet of some kind. And John is writing this letter, and this portion of the letter is specifically talking about that. Wherever you find truth, be aware that Satan has a counterfeit. He always has a counterfeit. And it seems like today, almost anywhere you turn, uh, anything is okay, and everything is called Christian truth. And unfortunately, that's not the truth. I've heard some really crazy and bizarre things, and I'm sure that you have as well. We live in an age where if we stand up and say something is sin or something is wrong, we're considered intolerant, narrow-minded, and we're even called bigots because we stand on the truth of God's Word. I know that you all hear all the time, Pastor Ken, and you heard last Sunday from Armand, and you'll hear from me often, Check what we're saying. Check it against God's Word. We only want to deliver the Word of God to you. And if there's something we're saying that's not right, come to us with God's Word and let's sit down and discuss it. Because we don't want to be a part of the group of people that John is talking about. So let's take a look at our passage today in in John chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Children, it's the last hour, and as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, and that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar that he who denies that, Christ, that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you hear from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us, eternal life. Father God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank you for the opportunity to take a look at it this morning. And God, as we, we look at your word, I pray that you would open our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would take the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, and may it be pleasing to you, Lord Jesus Christ. 
in every way. I pray that your truth would go forth. Your truth and only your truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. John starts out this passage specifically addressing false teachers that had left the church. And that's, an, that's a sign that they were false teachers. In verses 18 through 19, it says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, you know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it would become plain that they were not of us. We know that John is speaking to followers of Jesus Christ, fellow believers just like us. And the reason we know that is that first word in verse chapter 18. In verse 18, he says, you, he calls us children, or he calls the people who he's writing to children. And that's an indication that he's speaking, again, to people just like ourselves. He tells us that in the last hour, and he confirms it to us that it is the last hour, that, that we will hear that the Antichrist is coming. You see, John is using an interesting word when he says Antichrist. It's a singular. And so in this part of the text, he's talking about the Antichrist that the book of Revelation declares. And he says, the Antichrist is coming. This is Satan incarnate. And he'll come in great power and charisma. And those who are not followers of Jesus will choose to follow him lock, stock, and barrel. And Revelation tells us that this Antichrist will come in the days close to the return of Christ. No one knows when this will happen. It's, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen next year. It could even be a hundred years from now. It could even be a thousand years from now. We just don't know when the Antichrist will show up on the scene. But we do know when he does, Christ is short at hand. He's coming very, very soon. You see, John says that many Antichrists, later on in that, in that same verse, Antichrists, plural, have shown up on the church scene already during his time. These Antichrists are false prophets and false teachers, and they pretend to be Christians, but in reality, they have nothing to do with Jesus Christ, and they're there to lead the followers of Christ astray. These Antichrists, the Antichrist, uh, who, the Antichrist who will come will be the final Antichrist singular that shows up on the end times. And, and Paul and John is not concentrating on the Antichrist. What he's concentrating on in this passage is Antichrists, plural, false teachers and false messengers. So you might think to yourself, why does he use the word last hours? I mean, what's all that about? Well, John was uh, saying to the early church that they are living in the last hours, and, and, and the fact is that it's already been almost 2,000 years from when John wrote this letter. Last hours? What's that about? I'm sure that many of you at some time in your life have felt like the hours are dragging on and on and on. You're in a, you remember back in, in grade school or in high school or even college, you were sitting there taking a test and you finished your test and the test was supposed to last an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, and you'd already 
because you're so smart, had already finished the test, or because you can't remember what you were supposed to write down, you're just like, you throw your hands up and give up. But you sit there for the next hour, an hour and a half, waiting for the test to be done. And it seems like these hours go forever. Last year, I remember, I found myself up at Sage West. I had been successful. I had shot a deer. I was home. My daughter was helping me dress it out. And I had a bone saw, and I was cutting one of the front legs, and the leg slipped, and the bone saw went across this index finger and went way down. And so I said, well, I guess I need to go to the doctor. I wished I hadn't. I wished I'd gone to Tony and let him throw a couple stitches into it because it had been a lot cheaper. But I sat there at Sage West, which I felt like was for hours and hours and hours, just holding my finger. And there were all kinds of people around me, and I'm like, when am I going to see the doc? When am I going to see the doc? And finally, my number came up, and two hours later, I was leaving with two stitches in my finger. Um, and it just felt like I had been going for hours and hours and hours there. I won't tell you what the end of that story is, but the fact is, is that it felt like it drug on for hours. When Paul says last hours, he's describing not a period of time, but an epoch of time. So it's long strong, drawn out. Uh, God doesn't operate on our time. He doesn't operate on Eastern Standard Time, Central Time, or Mountain Time. He's not bound to a 24-hour clock like we are. And 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 tells us, But do not over, overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So God's time is not measured by the tick-tock of our clocks. The truth is that we have been in the last days ever since John wrote this letter. And we've been in the last days prior to John's writing this letter. We, the last days basically started when Christ rose from the dead and he was resurrected and then he ascended into heaven. And that was the beginning of the last days. And so Paul, uh, John says the last hours or these final hours. And uh, we, we see that John is saying that in these final hours, there will be many antichrists and there are already antichrists among us. He's saying, now many antichrists have come. This is how we know that we are, we presently are in the last hours because believe it or not, there are many false teachers who have invaded the churches across the United States teaching falseness. You know, you might think, how do you destroy the church? What would be the best way to destroy the church? Would it be to raise up an army and come in and slaughter people? No. That's already been tried multiple times throughout history of this world. And every time the church is persecuted, and every time um, people are martyred for the name of Christ, there's an increase and a growth in the church. And so I can just imagine what, what John is talking about is, is one of Satan's uh, mastermind schemes. And that is coming and infiltrating the church with false teachers. Satan uses false teachers who come in and sow false seeds. Seeds that are lies. They don't come in to teach that Jesus is a liar or that he's not divine. They come in as an angel of light. And they lead sheep astray little by little through false teaching. Satan has counterfeits inside and outside the church. If something is counterfeit, that would mean that there is something real 
before there can be a counterfeit. I mean, that's pretty obvious. You don't see a counterfeit $3 bill, do you? No. You see counterfeit $100 bills. You see counterfeit $50 bills. I haven't seen them, but I know that they exist. And so there has to be something real to be counterfeit. Matthew chapter 24, 11 says, And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. In the Gospel of Matthew, we're warned about this. And John tells us in verse 19 that we can tell a person is a false prophet or a false teacher because they leave the church. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they were not of us. You see, he's saying they, they left and down through the history, there are multiple examples of church followers or church leaders who were false teachers and false prophets. And, the, and you can look through all of the history of man since Christ's time, and it's scattered with uh, people who, who started different cults and different religious sects. Uh, they, they didn't agree with what was going on in the church, or they, they really weren't followers of Jesus Christ, actually. They were false prophets and false teachers. I know that some of you are old enough to remember that in 1978, there was a gentleman named Jim Jones. And he led a group of people called People's Temple. And I know that that made news. Uh, He led them to an island nation called Guiana. Jim Jones was actually an evangelist of, of a church. And it was an evangelical church. That's where he started. And one of those churches exists in our, in our city today. And they're soundly evangelical. And they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was part of that denomination. And out of that, he led over 800 people to the island of Guyana. He considered himself to be the Messiah. He considered himself to have the ability to give God's voice and God's voice alone. And you remember what the end of that whole fiasco was. Over 800 people plus their children committed suicide because of this false prophet. John is warning us against false prophets. Let me read it again. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they were not of us. They, many of these people left, have left evangelical churches. They're false prophets. And John is saying, be careful, be aware. One of these men that we're well aware of in this area is named Joseph Smith. And Joseph Smith came from a church. And he became disgruntled with the church and what was being taught with the church. I'm not so sure he was ever a follower of Jesus Christ, to be honest with you. But he tells, he, in, his, in, in history we find out, and through their teachings, there uh, was an angel who he said met him, the angel called Morai, Moran, Mori. Terrell knows the name of the angel. Mor, Moru, Morini? Morini? Moroni? Moroni. 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 I say E because it's Indonesian. Moroni, um, and Moroni supposedly gave him these golden tablets 
And out of that, today we have, and I know that people are, don't like it when I would say this, and I'm going to say it, we have the Mormon cult. That's the truth. Uh, false teaching. Mormons are great people. They live ethical, good lives. They really do. They're really good people. In fact, many Mormons are more moral than some evangelicals, just like Muslims are more moral in many cases, the true ones, than what I see in evangelical churches, to be honest with you. But living a good life, living a moral life, is different than knowing true doctrine and the truth from God's Word. And so, so just because you live a good life is not proof that you're following the way. You're following Jesus Christ. Just so that we understand here in this, in this fellowship, because we're part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, there are false teachers and there are false prophets. And there was a false prophet and a false teacher who went out from, from the Christian and Missionary Alliance. His name is David Berg, and he was a pastor in an, in an alliance church down in Arizona. And uh, he got into an, a, an illicit relationship with one of the youth down there. And because of that, he was dismissed from the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And he took his family and he traveled all over the country as an evangelist. His, his children and his wife would come into a church. They would sing beautiful hymns and beautiful songs. And he would preach the gospel, quote unquote. And after four or five years, he ended up running out of money. So he found himself in California. And in California, he was during the hippie movement, the Jesus people. And he started uh, a, a, an organization or a belief that were called the uh, uh, Children of Jesus instead of youth. youth uh, yeah, Children of Jesus. And then ultimately that, that turned into a, uh, a group called Children of God. And the children of God is a very, very perverted and, and vile uh, cult. Um, David Berg changed his name to Moses David, wanting to become more biblical. And he taught that, that uh, sex and sexual intercourse was God's love, and so that that should be spread among everybody and anybody freely. And then it just got even worse and worse and worse. And, and if you go on YouTube and you find him, there's a clip that I wanted to get for us this morning, but it's right there. And, and he is saying, if you just believe in Jesus Christ, and if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and he goes on, and when you watch it, it sounds exactly, exactly like an evangelical pastor. And he may say words that seem true and right. They're true-ish. The words that he says because behind it is a false doctrine and a false belief. And so we need to be aware that it's even possible in this church that people could be led astray because it, it's not necessarily with myself or Ken or anybody else that preaches up here. It might be a, a church member. So as we get together and we study God's word, let's make sure that we're studying God's word as, as it's delivered to us. And, uh, and, we, and we look at it clearly because that's the warning that John gives us this morning. So John says that in the last days, there will be multiple and many antichrists. And we need to be aware of it. 
In verses 20 and 21, we see that John says, the Holy Spirit confirms in you the truth. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit, you have knowledge. Verse 20 says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. It's the indwelling Holy Spirit in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ that allows us to know the truth. It's the Holy Spirit that puts that check in your heart when something sounds off. It's because of where the Holy Spirit dwells, and He dwells in us, there is truth. And where there is truth, there is no darkness. John is also saying here that if you are Christ followers, you have the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit living in us that enables us to live out our lives and our callings. Christ promised us that he would send the Holy Spirit to fill us. In John 15, 16 and 17, it reads, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot deceive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells in you, and you will be, and he will be in you. So the Holy Spirit dwells within us. This is what John is reminding the church, that uh, what we need to always remember is that the Holy Spirit is there, and the Spirit is the one who brings, brings truth. The problem is, is that we often won't let the Holy Spirit do the work he wants to do in our lives. And so we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, and doing that, we also receive the Holy Spirit. We kind of compartmentalize and put the Spirit of God out to the side, and we stop listening to his voice. And that's where we get into trouble and get into danger. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us, uh, gives us re- uh, understanding of God's Word. It's the Holy Spirit that indwells us. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live our lives in accordance to God's Word. True followers of Christ know God. True followers of Christ know God and know the Holy Spirit, and they know Jesus, and they know the truth. We can discern whether something is a true teaching or a false teaching, and there's three ways you can discern that, and it's pretty simple. The first way to know if something is true or not is by reason. It's, uh, it's something that God has given us. If two plus two, what does that equal? Four. That's mathematically reasoning. That's truth. Two plus two equals fourth. That's the first way. The second way is through experience. This is called scientific method. An example of this would be you take a cup of water, you take a cup of oil, you pour them together, and guess what happens? The oil comes to the top, the water goes to the bottom. You do that a hundred times, and the water will come to the top and the oil will go to the bottom. No. A hundred times out of a hundred times, oil will always go to the top. So it could be said, and it is a truth, that when you put a cup of water and a cup of oil in a container, the oil will always rise to the top. So through scientific method, we can know something is truth. And the third way to know truth is through divine knowledge and revelation. And we find that through the Bible. We learn that from God. 
Jesus and the Holy Spirit give us understanding of His Word. The Bible is the living Word of God, and it's through the Bible that we come to know more about who God our Father in heaven is. John 17, 17 reminds us that sanctify sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And so it's through God's word. This doesn't say, this, this says that God's word is truth. It does not say God's word is true. You hear the difference? God's word is truth. It doesn't say God's word is true. And the reason is, is, True can only come from truth. So this is God's word. And he says, sanctify us by your word because your word is truth. John also tells us that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth is not uh, a statement, but truth in this case is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. That's what he's talking about. Let's take a look at verses 23 and 20, 22 and 23. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever confesses the Son has the false Father also. I've heard a number of people throughout the years say, well, I believe in the same God as you do. And I have to degree, disagree about that because their understanding of who Jesus is, who Jesus is, is completely wrong. When April and I were overseas ministering there, one of the things that often came from the people who we were working with in a Muslim country was, we we all worship the same God. After all, He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael. Um, and I, I go, no, I don't think so. And I said, yeah. And I said, so if we're worshiping the same God, then tell me who Jesus is. Well, he's a man, he's a prophet, and he, 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 uh, he got taken to heaven. And I said, well, you've got part of it right, but you don't have it all right. And they asked me why, and I said, because Jesus is the Son of God. He was crucified, he died, he rose again, and he was resurrected, he, was, uh, he ascended to heaven. And they said, no, 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 Jesus is a prophet, and he was a good man, and he never sinned. And so God took him to heaven, and I'd say, no, Jesus was a prophet. He never never did sin. He is the Son of God. He did die on the cross for our sins. He rose again, and through that we have salvation. And so the conclusion I come to is, and I know that some of my colleagues didn't believe me, but the conclusion I came to is found in this verse, he who denies the Son he who, who, no one who denies the Son has the Father. And so the Father is God, our Father in heaven. And so they're not worshiping the same God. It's a totally different God. And there are people running around saying, oh, we worship the same God. We just it's going to the top of the mountain. We go up two different sides. No, there's only one side. There's only one path, and it's Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And the fact is, is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And we have to stand on that. Scripture makes it, makes, makes it very clear. In John 14, 6, he says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so people who say that, oh, I'm worshiping the same God, but they, not, they don't, don't, um, don't espouse the deity of Christ and, and Jesus being the Son of God, we know that they're not worshiping the Son of God. We're not worshiping the same God. And we know that because the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell within them. 
And because the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell within them, there's no fruit of the Spirit. And there's no power in their lives because God's Spirit does not dwell within them. John closes off verse 23 in saying that if we confess Jesus, the Son, we know the Father. By confessing Jesus as Messiah, we are in right relationship with God our Father. In closing, let's look at verses 24 and 25. Let what you hear from the beginning abide in you. If what you hear from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Father and in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us eternal life. We're told to let the truth we heard first from the very beginning, what we believed in, to remain in us. We need to hold on to and accept the truth that came to us from the very first day we came to Christ. Because it was the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, who was drawing us to Jesus Christ. It's the Spirit of God who dwells within us and empowers us and allows us to discern and know truth from the false teachings around us. There are so many, so many false teachings. It's incredible. There's a teaching by a man by the name of Rob Bell that says there is no hell. He's got scripture completely wrong. There are all kinds of videos out about uh, different things and, and you look at those and they are wrong. They're totally wrong. And We have to be aware that, that in these last days there are false prophets and there are false teachers. We're in the last hours, brothers and sisters. Jesus is coming soon. And the closer the time comes to his return, the more we will see false prophets and false teachers cropping up. And the closer to his return, the more we need to dig in and know his word beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because his word is truth. His word is truth. And as long as... I am here, and as long as Ken is here at this church, we promise that we will do our best to give the truth of God to you. Because it's through his truth and through God's word that we are directed. It's because of his word that we know that we are to be his ambassadors, allowing the Holy Spirit to fill our lives full allowing him to give us discernment, allowing him to help us as we share with our neighbors and our friends who Jesus Christ is and the hope that we have in, in him. Beware, beware of false prophets. And rejoice that as you allow his word to abide in you, we have a promise that we will see eternal life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is truth. I thank you for the reminder that John uh, has brought to us this morning. That there will be people who will try to lead us astray. But your Holy Spirit dwells within us. Your Holy Spirit gives us discernment. Your Holy Spirit empowers us. Help us this week, Lord, as we read your word that we will fall deeper and deeper in love with you, God, our Father in heaven. 
Help us to affirm our belief, our trust in you, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. You've done it all, Lord. We thank you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.